The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Every week we are striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And it is the last Wednesday of the month which means it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, which means that there is no show without your questions. So don't sit there all embarrassed thinking, oh my gosh, this is a dumb newbie question. I shouldn't ask it on the air. Instead, ask it on the air and help educate your fellow newbies. Or if you're already in the real estate business and you are afraid that your question might be too specific, ah, just let me be the judge of that. How about that? Uh, 877-772-9658 is the number here in the studio to call your question in. Your alternative method of reaching out is to go to our website. It's realliferealestate.com. There you will find a tab that says Ask Vina a Question. And if you fill in that tab and send it on over, I should get it via email here in the studio. Some happenings here in the greater Cincinnati area in the real estate investing world. Uh, The week of October the 11th, the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association is holding a series of uh, presentations here in the greater Cincinnati area called 10 Ways to Prosper in the 2016-2017 Market. These three-hour sessions, which are all identical, uh, are available in Mason, Ohio, as well as uh, Hebron, Kentucky, and Westchester. And you can get more information about those and register for your free seat at trainwithvena.com. That's trainwithvena.com. Uh, Also, the uh, Investment Property Owners Association of Butler County, which is a a nonprofit real estate investors association that we we probably don't talk enough about here on Real Life Real Estate, is holding a big vendor fair on Thursday, October the 13th from 6.30 to 9. This is an event that is... um, uh, once a year, it's obviously for real estate and investors and landlords who own properties or would like to own properties up in the Butler County area. It's going to be held at the auditorium at Butler Tech, the auditorium at Butler Tech on Thursday, October the 13th 
from 6.30 to 9. There will be vendor prizes, a grand prize, free food. It'll be a good opportunity to network with your fellow Butler County area real estate investors. Uh, Again, it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, which means uh, any question that you might have is uh, certainly open for uh, discussion here today on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, Most folks seem to like to send in their questions via email. The way to do that is to go to uh, realliferealestate.com and just use our interactive form there. You can also call your question in at 877-772-9658. And by the way, you can, you can kind of do that all the time. Like if you're, if you're at home tonight at midnight, you go, Oh, I just thought of a question I should have asked on real life real estate. You can always go to realliferealestate.com and fill it in and we just save them uh, for the next time. Texting your questions in is not a great way to do it, listeners. So for those of you who are trying to text me while I am on the radio, um, I have a little bit of a hard time absorbing uh, and responding to what's coming in on my cell phone in the way of real estate questions. While on, let me point out, live radio. Live radio where Mike won't even use the second se- seven-second delay button to save me when I say the, the, the wrong name of the station. He he could have done that and he did not do that last week. It didn't didn't occur to me until later that he could have could have saved me from that. Uh, okay, a question from Brian, who's here in Cincinnati. He says, I hear different answers from different people regarding how much something will cost me. One person says five thousand dollars for upgrading an electrical box. Another says running electric through the entire house will only cost a thousand dollars if you know the right person. Uh, obviously, the best way to be to find out what contractors people are using and get quotes, but that's a lot to ask of contractors before even figuring out if the house is a deal. Brian, you have hit upon one of the big challenges that brand new investors have, which is that the the whole thing about estimating repair costs seems very overwhelming, and there's 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 different overwhelming parts of it. There's there's what needs to be done. And then there's what is the extent of that thing? And then there's what does it cost? And you're right, at each stage of that, you might be getting different answers from different people. And it's not that any of them are necessarily wrong answers. It's just that what you're, what you're hearing is various folks' experience. And you're absolutely right, bringing a contractor in to estimate repair costs on a property that you don't even have under contract is is both silly and uh, probably expensive because to do a full-blown rehab estimation like I suspect you're talking about here, it's going to be not free <laughs> for you to have a, an inspector do that. So let's talk about some ways to... Uh, kind of sort these answers out in your brain and figure out whether you are getting a good answer, a bad answer, and a different answer. Because really, really, the answers on repair costs are more data points than they are answers. So the first thing I would say to you, Ryan, is make sure that the person that you're asking the question of has actually done the thing not just heard what it should cost to do the thing. There's, there's, There's a lot more opinion out there in the real estate investing world about a variety of topics, then there is actual knowledge. Um, I hear I hear folks give each other bad advice all the time. And it's it's in the 
you know, they, they intend it in the, in the best way. They're trying to be helpful and share. But the reality is they're just repeating something that they heard someplace else. So if somebody says it costs $5,000 just to upgrade the electrical box, I, I think you should ask the question, when was the last time you did that? Um, you know, hopefully without sounding snarky, but you know, like, like, is this, is this something you've done uh, more than once or not? The other, the other uh, piece here is you should probably be as specific as you can be in asking the question, because it's possible that when someone said five thousand to upgrade the electrical box, oh, it's by the way sounds like a high number to me. If you're only talking about the box and not all the other stuff associated with that, I would think it would be closer to fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. You really need to say. Uh, just to do X or to do X plus Y plus Z. Because when you say upgrade the electrical box, my thought is you're not doing anything to the wiring. You're not, you're not bringing in a new uh, line from the street. You're not replacing the weatherhead. You're just talking about the electrical box. It's entirely possible the person who said $5,000 made a mental leap that went, well, if he's replacing the electrical box, he just told me the property was vacant and a shell. So he's probably doing all the rewiring too. And therefore, it's a thousand it's a five thousand dollars to to do all of that so so be as specific as you can because you know a question like that i would want to know how many how many fixtures are you having wired are, are you talking about the cost of opening and closing the walls as well as actually doing the wiring what 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 all is included in that job and a lot of people won't kind of interview you to find out exactly what it is you are finding you are you are asking um Beyond that, you will still hear if you if you asked exactly the same question of five different actually experienced rehabbers, you would get que- you would get answers that varied within within some reasonable range. You know, if you say how much does it cost to replace a window, uh, you're going to get answers from 175 to 250 dollars per window opening, and the difference there between the high and the low is probably the what the what kind of you know grade of window is being put in as well as uh you know is it does it include labor costs does it include wrapping the window and you'll start to you'll start to find that you can come up with in this case an average and say well it sounds like windows cost somewhere around two hundred dollars an opening to put in and you can kind of put that on your mental checklist of what it costs to do something now ultimately. What you're talking about here is how do I figure out wh- what to offer? How do I how do I add up the repair costs in such a way that it gives me it gives me a number that I can go in with an offer? And if your offers have inspection contingencies, it, it's safe to use these averages, these rules of thumb, with the addendum that that. I'm going to bring in a pro who's going to tell me what this is actually going to cost. So that's that's perfectly fair to do, especially uh, when you are relatively new to the business and you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you've, you're going to bury yourself on your very first deal. So Brian, hope it helped. I know it, it, right now it seems like everybody is yelling at you in Greek and you're doing your best to translate as fast as you can, but it's just not a familiar language to you it'll get better. I promise. Stay, stay around, keep talking to people within 
two, three, four, five months, everything will start clarifying itself and you will be fine. And thank you very much for your question. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question answer week. Uh, When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to Mark in New York City and take your questions at 877-772-9658 or via email at uh, realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and we're question answer day today. So it's like your day to ask whatever it is that has been bugging you. Uh, We're going to go to line one and talk to Mark in New York City. Mark, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you. Hi, Vina. Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, First, I want to take this opportunity to tell everyone who's listening and to you that your marketing techniques and theories and ideas that you teach and taught are right on the money. I am getting a lot of calls. I haven't closed yet, but still, um, it's definitely uh, uh, making people pick up the phone and call me. So I want to thank you for teaching me that. Um, On the same lines, when I get these calls, uh, so far, I've only been able to make... uh, two offers the other like five i it didn't fit my what i was doing which is uh wholesaling at a discount uh but what do i do with those leads what's the best way to i don't want to just now like say forget about it and they called me first and i don't think that they even called the realtor yet what is the best way for me to uh, i guess to monetize it maybe or even to just you know uh, to make it useful of that lead that I got. So you're talking about the ones where the owner does want to sell, but he doesn't want to sell badly enough to give you the discount you need. Mm-hmm. Correct. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not uh, motivated sellers. No. Okay. They're, they just uh, want retail price. Mostly. Okay, Mark, you are not a licensed agent. Is that correct? Correct. I am not. Okay. Um, it is. It is. Just you're you're running right about on the money in terms of how many just completely non-motivated versus at least motivated enough to make an offer to kinds of sellers you would talk to if they were calling you at random. And the thing about the uh, the the truly truly non-motivated ones, and I mean these are these are people who they don't need to sell, they're not in a hurry to sell, there's no story going on in their life, they they can wait forever to get their money. It, really, the best thing you can do for them is recommend them to a licensed agent. Because if they if they want top dollar and they've got forever to wait around for it, that's the way to sell your property. If you, you know, put it in the MLS and let, let, let people fight over it or not fight over it, at least one way or another, putting it in the MLS tells you what the market wants from you. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if you are not a licensed agent, a a licensed agent cannot really pay you for leads. Um, the license oh. license law just says that they can't give money to people who don't have real estate licenses. That's not to say that you couldn't find an agent that that might might do some trading with you. So, for instance, uh, let's say that you wanted to get your hands on expired listings. Mm-hmm. You can't do that unless you're an agent you can't you don't have access to the expireds which would maybe be a good thing for for you to market to unless you're a licensed agent so perhaps you could make a deal with an agent that said look i i know you can't i know you can't pay me 
to to send you leads that might turn into listings that in New York City could be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in commission. But what I would like you to do is I'd like you to set up a prospect in your computer and just have it send me the expired listings every day. Is that fair? And when you find somebody who 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 t- sees the value in that, because I know if I were a if I were an agent in a tight market, I would totally see the value in that. Then that's the arrangement you make, right? It's not about money. Mm-hmm. The other alternative is if you have other folks in your uh, group up there who who do things with properties that don't have that don't have equity and where a full price needs to be paid. In other words, they do things like subject twos, lease options, things like that. Uh, you could certainly refer it out to them. If you think there's a possibility of doing something like that, you could refer the lead out to them and, and ask for a referral fee or you know some kind of tit-for-tat on wholesale deals or something like that. So it, it's, it's a good thing to think about, you know, how do I, I spent the money to get this lead. So how can I turn it to my advantage even if it's not somebody that I can, that I'm the best solution for? It's a good thing to think about, uh, but you might have to do it a little more indirectly than you were thinking. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. Okay. It's completely different. Um, I am now um, in pursuit of larger units, I mean, commercial units that runs into millions of dollars. And I've been going to meetups like once or twice per week. And I'm just finding so many people that don't have that kind of access to money or everybody on their little name tag, they say they're investors, but they mostly turn out to be wholesalers uh, after I talk to them. Um, is there like a way that I could speak to someone at a first meeting that doesn't value, um, violate any SEC rules that kind of says, do you really have some like big cash <laughs> to, so that we could meet? Because I don't even want to waste time meeting the second time officially and then finding out that he has nothing more. You know, is there some kind of a good tactic to find out if that person has access to capital? So, so you're finding that there's a lot of sharks in the tank and not not many, not much chum, um, which is you know, in a in a meetup group uh, or or a real estate investors association, they do tend to be bottom heavy with with the more active flippers and and also mm-hmm. newer newer investors as opposed to yes. the to the more advanced, um, you know, the guy who wants to sit around and write checks, which is what you're really looking for. The, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your question about uh, approaching people in regards to money is is a really good one because you, you clearly have gotten the idea that you can't just like run around and tell people what you, you, I'm, I'm paying 10% for private money or something like that because of, of SEC regulations. However, it's a little bit of a complex question because it, you know to truly to truly be able to kind of go out there and advertise your offerings, you do need to have an SEC filing, and I'm going to direct you to our website at realliferealestate.com, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say listen to the um, listen to the talk by Jillian Sedoti. There's a there's a show maybe a month or two ago. Uh, by Jillian Sedoti, and she addresses that at some length. Now, in terms in terms of other folks, in terms of just what, what you're trying to accomplish, which is sort out the wheat from the chaff here to the to, as best you can, you may be hanging out at the wrong places. 
you you know honestly what what Jillian and other people I know that raise a lot of private money recommend is that you go to places where people with money are going to be so so at the moment like at this at this instant in time a great place would be a political fundraiser mm. At other times, it might be alumni events. It might be now. I, I I don't think. I think you. I think you moved across the country to get to New York City. So maybe your your school is not there in, uh-huh. in, in New York. But um, think things where things where people with money would tend to get together. Okay. And, oh. Okay. And then and then the the uh, approach is not to say, all right, do you have money or don't you? Because I don't want to waste my time with you if you don't have money. The approach is more to say, you know, when people ask you what you do, you you just you you tell them what you do. I'm 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 buying apartment buildings. I'm really excited about it. It's a really hot market right now. Um, I you know, it's uh, for me, me and my cash partners are just loving it because uh, the, the housing is so short at the moment. And they will get the idea and they will ask you. Oh yeah, I got that down. Yeah, <laughs> so I think you I think you hit the head because I've been only attending real estate. Net, uh, network meetings. Not, I wasn't thinking of any other uh, social media gatherings like what you just suggested. So, yeah. Okay. Well, just just FYI, it's not that those people aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are folks who are more of the I want to be a passive investor, I want to partner kind of mindset at some of those meetings. It's just that they don't come back after about the second time because they get the idea that the meeting is not for them, that it's more for the. Mm-hmm. It's more for the flipper or the real estate investor. I mean, it takes an unusual, or, uh, 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 sorry, a flipper or the wholesaler. It's more, they get, it's difficult for a real estate investors association to provide the kind of education that both of those groups of people need. And so they tend to be good at one or the other. Now, there, there are exceptions. You will find that there are some groups that are really more geared toward the buy and hold people that you're looking for. And some that are more geared toward the toward the short term hold uh, people that you're seeing, but generally it's probably a good idea to go to things where people are likely to have money as opposed to where people are likely to be in real estate. Because one of the things about wealthy investors or or investors who are who are are looking to park money somewhere is they are often pretty agnostic about the asset. They're interested in hearing about opportunities and whether that opportunity is in real estate or oil or the stock market or futures or whatever. They're interested in hearing about it. And that's the person you want to put yourself in front of. Right. Mm-hmm. And you still have to follow the rules. And again, I'm going to direct you back to Jillian's uh, show about pre-qualifying them and making sure that you know something about them before you actually make them an offer, even if they are that kind of accredited investor that I think you're looking for if you're trying to buy commercial property. Great. I did listen to that, but at that time, I wasn't even near anything like that, so it kind of like went over my head, but that's a good idea. I will definitely listen to that. Yeah, it'll be a different show this time. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for your call, Mark. Uh, You've listened to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk to Deborah who is calling from Columbus, Ohio. If you have a question, give us a call 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. We do this once a month on the last Wednesday of the month, and it's your chance to ask any question that might have come up for you during the day, week, month, year, whatever. And um, if you'd like to be notified of these uh, shows ahead of time, along with all of our Real Life Real Estate Investing programs, Go to realliferealestate.com and fill out the um, thingy that says send me emails and I will send you an email every week that tells you what is going on in the real life real estate world and in the real estate world in general. Um, you, you will always include an article uh, that's relevant to you and your real estate investing career as well and information about webinars, upcoming meetings, conferences, things like that. should have mentioned to Mark that one of the speakers at the upcoming OREA um, National Real Estate Summit is uh, Rod Yarger, who's going to be talking about crowdfunding uh, as his as his topic. And we're going to have him here on the show sometime in the next few weeks uh, you can get more information about the OREA conference at WMKVFM.org. Let's go to Deborah, who's calling from Columbus. Deborah, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Vina. I have a question for you regarding landlord-tenant issues. Okay. Um, I'm looking to figure out how to set up some type of a, an electronic payment so my tenant can just send my funds to me via email that is I don't have to wait for a check in the mail or run over to pick it up from them is there any kind of a quick and easy system that you know of that I could set up for an electronic payment um well you know what sort of giving them access to my bank account that is (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's a that's a super bad idea (laughs) to to tell your tenant well here's my bank account number just go ahead and uh, yeah. Uh, Have fun. <laughs> yeah, deposit, 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 don't withdraw, right? Yeah, um, right. I trust you. Yeah. Huh. No, <laughs> there, are, there are actually several systems around that are, um, that are set up for exactly what you want. And the way, the way that it works is the tenant goes, goes in and um, uh, registers for the program. And okay. tell, then, then the tenant says, uh, you know, I want this much money deposited every month to Deborah. Those programs, which are, um, they're not set up on a tenant by tenant basis. You just say, hey, tenant, we want everybody, we want everybody to go through this system. Do cost money, you know, they co- and, and usually that would be the tenant who was paying it. So you might get some pushback on that from particularly lower income tenants and also they can quit any time. I mean basically it's not like it's not like the thing is walking in and debiting their account without their permission if they if they go in and say I no longer want Deborah to be sent this money you're not going to get the money anymore. So it's more of a it's more of a an ease thing, right? Cuz now you don't have to get the checks and then go deposit the checks and it's more it's more that than it is like guaranteed payment. The other alternative is this can be set up on an instance by instance basis with your bank and the tenant's bank. It, it can actually you can you can actually work with your bank to do automatic debits from the tenant's bank again with the tenant's signed permission, and that that usually doesn't cost much if anything at all. The bank kind of likes doing that rather than having to process a check. Now, what I can't do on the air, Deborah, 
is mm-hmm. I can't uh, give you the, I can't recommend any particular services that might uh, work for the, the, the first one we talked about. I mean, it's for a second when you mm-hmm. call up your bank and you say, how would I accomplish this? And they will walk you through the process. Yeah. Um, but for the first one, I can't, I can't give you any names over the air just because we're, we're public radio and we don't I do understand. that here. But if you want to send right. me an email, if you want to go to realliferealestate.com and send me an email or post it on the Inner Circle site, uh, I will be happy to recommend a couple of those that I know about. Fantastic. I think I'll send you an email through the Inner Circle Sounds website. Awesome. Thank you, Vina. Okay. Thank you very much for All your right. call, Deborah. Um, see, listeners, any any kind of question, deal finding, landlord-tenant, money raising, anything you want to talk about is fair game on Question and Answer Week here on Real Life Real Estate. The number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. You can also send an email. The way you do that is you go to our website, realliferealestate.com, and then I get this email that comes in, and it says, Ask Vina Contact Form. And there's an email attached, like there is to this one right here. It says, I have been interested in getting started in real estate for some time, but there is so much information out there. That, and I also have this huge fear of messing up and losing lots of money. It's hard to know who to trust for advice or where to start. Any advice, Owl? Yeah, and gosh, Owl got like the greatest email address ever. You know how when you go in and you try to get like um, Mike at Yahoo.com, it's never available and you have to be like Mike3279 at Yahoo.com. Owl just got Owl at, and I'm not going to give out the rest of it because... I, you know, I wouldn't want my email given out over the phone, but he, he somehow got that. Um, so anywho, uh, yeah, Al, I, I get it. You can't let the fact that you don't know who to trust keep you from getting out there and starting to get some information. I will say that if there is a good local real estate association in your area, that would be the place to start because although even a great local group like Cincinnati Rhea can't necessarily keep out or vet all of the bad guys, there's, there's still going to be, you know, folks around from whom maybe you shouldn't be taking advice. If you talk to enough people for a long enough time, you, you, you get to figure out who those are. You get to figure out who has good advice, who has bad advice, who's just after your money, who, uh, you know, and and also the good real estate associations tend to vet any speakers that they do bring in that have courses for sale. They tend to not bring in folks who have bad reputations is what I am trying to tell you. So go go find a local group. Talk to the other human beings in the group because a lot of them had the same concerns you did when they started out and now they're not just starting out anymore. They're out there doing it and they can give you advice on who to listen to and who to not listen to. Your fear of screwing up is the same as your, as your lack of knowledge because if you understood how to evaluate properties, what, what they were likely to make, what it was going to cost to fix and so on, you wouldn't have that fear of losing money because you would realize that you're not going to lose money if you buy a property at the right price uh, that's that you know with the right financing and so on. So these things are all these things are all interrelated, Al, and you've got to get out of your shell. And you got to go to a local real estate association and start talking to people and working it out. And again, 
like I told one of our previous question questioners, at first you feel like an idiot. You're like, I, I'm actually very smart in real life, but I walk into one of these real estate groups and I feel stupid because I don't understand what anybody is saying. It doesn't take long to learn to speak the language and understand what folks are saying. So good luck, Al. Please go ahead and take that step. It's well worth it. Let's go to line one and talk to Michelle calling from Cincinnati. Michelle, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Okay, so my question is, is I currently have two rental properties, not nothing to really write home about. But um, recently, I've been using um, like a online type of, um, when, you know, when somebody submits, they want to rent my house. They saw like an application, and then I was using something online to run like a criminal history and then like a credit check. Uh-huh. So anyhow, recently they sent me a letter saying that they had disabled my user ID until I could comply. And I was like, oh, okay, thinking that I just needed to like, you know, send them some documentation because this is what I did when I first signed up with them. I had to make sure that they knew that I was the owner of the house and all that fun stuff. But when I the guy called me back, he said that he wanted to know if I had an office like outside my home. And I said, no, because you know, I just have two rental properties. And he said, Oh, okay. Well, do you have a lock on your office? And I'm like, well, no, it's just like my and entry. The, and then he wanted to know if you had a locked filing cabinet. And then he wanted to know if you had a shredder. No, he didn't ask me that. <laughs> he said I had to have a lock on my office door and then he had to send somebody out to inspect it. And I had to pay. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, that's real. Um, okay. The the what what is going on is that they are they are concerned and 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 when I say concerned I mean like the law says they have to be concerned that you are storing uh, people's private information that like their social security number for instance in a way that other people could steal it and I had to go through exactly the same thing recently for a. Um, uh, I was getting a skip trace service. So this was, you know, I can go in and, and find out where somebody where somebody lives if they don't live at the address that I think they live at anymore. And it was exactly the same thing. It was, do you have an outside office? No. Do you have a lock on the door? They wanted to know about our server. They wanted to know if it was, if we had like an internal server, or if our stuff was being stored elsewhere. And they did charge us for it. Uh, they have a, they have like an outside service that comes in and does, and it's like I think it was sixty bucks maybe something like that. Yeah. So if it's important for you to keep this service that you have, here's what I would do: uh, buy a lock on the door. If you can just put a hasp lock with a padlock on the outside of the door to to whatever room you're going I, to say is your office. Yeah, it's like it's it's really open, so I would have to build walls and a door. Which, and I'm going to move in a year probably, so I'm not doing that. Well, um, wait a minute, Michelle. Which, 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 which do, do, do you do you have a bedroom with a door on it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's your office then. So I can just put like my filing cabinet in there, and then. Yes, ma'am. Oh, all right. Yeah, don't make this harder than it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, oh my gosh, because what am I going to do now for my? I don't. And I, luckily, I don't have an open house right now, so I'm good. But. I know it's going to come up in the future where I need to run, you know, like a criminal search and all that stuff. And it's like, all right, I can't do it with this company. But it sounds like if all the companies are starting to do that. You know, there's there's some, it depends on, it depends on the level of service that you're looking for here. For for the, 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 the properties that, 
the company that I use for tenant screening did not require what you're talking about but then again I don't have them do a really high level of screening I do most of the screening myself or are your properties here in the Cincinnati area yes yeah I have one in Westchester and one in Loveland and so actually they don't really turn over very often sure um, you know it's I've only had it turn over like one time with like in a year. Sure. Um, but other than that, it's been like four or five years people are in there. So like like I said, I'm good for right now, but I'm just, and I usually do most of the screening myself, like you said, um, I, but I just rely on those reports of like the criminal, you know, have they ever been evicted, that type of thing. And then I usually do a credit check, even though I just usually look at it and make sure they don't have like Landlords that have sued them. Yeah. The, 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 um, the, okay, so, so I'm, I'm about to make all of our listeners who are not in Ohio a little bit jealous. We have really great public records here in Ohio. And if you know where your tenant has lived for the last X number of years, you can look up their criminal their criminal activities online at the at the Claremont County website in the case of your property in Loveland and at uh, Butler or Warren, depending on uh, where in Westchester Butler, you are, yeah. up in up in Westchester. You can also find their eviction histories as long as they've, you know, been in Ohio for a number of years. You can find their eviction histories mm-hmm. directly online. The only thing that we use the uh, tenant screening service, quote unquote, for is the credit report itself, and it's for the same reason you do. I don't expect a tenant to have an 800 credit score. But I do want to see mm-hmm. if they've left out addresses on their application, right? If they've said, well, I, I've only lived at this one other place for the last 10 years, but I look at their credit report and they've actually lived four other places. I'm going to get a little suspicious. Um, right. So there's there's probably an alternative here that does not involve you you doing anything in the way of a checkup. But, but what they are asking you is not strange, which I, I think that was what you were concerned about was, am I... Am I being scammed yeah, here? Is it, it necessary? Well, I thought it was strange. And then I was like, because I, you know, I'm like not going to go rent an office, right, for two, two properties. properties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two, which, which, by the way, I mean, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of denigrated that at the beginning. You said it was nothing to write home about. You realize that's two more rentals than just about everybody you know, right? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's an accomplishment. You could take a moment, pat yourself on the back about that. That's a lot of people. There's a lot more people who want our own rental properties than who actually do. So yay you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, they're not they're not asking you to do anything that that is particularly strange. It is very common that they hire outside contractors to come in and look at the space, and the, and you do have to pay them. So you're not you're not being scammed here, probably. But if you're gonna go ahead and do it, move the stuff into a room that you can lock. Um, they're going to ask about a paper shredder. You might want to you might want to get a okay. shredder. Uh, I think I have one. Okay. They 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 asked us about. They were very obsessed with a locked filing cabinet with us. Okay. But but since all of your stuff is coming in online as well as going out online, maybe that's that's not a not as much as a, a concern for you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for your call, Michelle. It's. Real Life Real Estate Investing. Last Wednesday of the month makes it question and answer week. You can call in with your questions at 877-772-9658 or send them via our website at realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I find I can't open my mouth unless the music comes on. I'm like, I'm... I'm like a rat in a maze now. Like certain certain things happen here, and I am a, I'm able to react, but otherwise I'm just like, what? what? I, 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 I don't know what to do. What do I say? It's question and answer week 
on real life real estate and that means that folks who are sending questions in by going to our website at realliferealestate.com or are calling actually I'm not going to give the number again because we only have about five minutes left in the show and that would be uh, really tight to answer a phone question so I'm just going to go to some of the questions that we've had come in via email Um, here's one from Ron in New Jersey Ron says, have you heard about some new regulations on wholesaling in New Jersey? Uh, a leading wholesaler just sent out this email indicating a restriction on wholesaling postings, I think. And then he copies the email, which says, I'm writing you this very important email to notify you of a new protocol that we will be implementing immediately in order to stay compliant with new strict regulations on the horizon. We are going to change the way we present properties to you. Future emails will be marketing the contracts for the houses we have under contract, not the properties themselves. They will not contain images of the property, property addresses, or other specific details about the property for which we are contracted unless we already own them. Certain information will be provided upon request and whatever we are allowed to legally disclose for properties that we have under contract. Uh, and then it, it goes on with some more marketing language. So, uh, Ron, here's the thing. Um, this is old news. This is not this is not something that is coming down the pike in New Jersey. That it, it, what, what happened is this guy watched a video that was uh, by the Ohio Division of Real Estate who said some things that we've known about for a while, um, like, for instance, that you should not indicate that you own a house if you don't own a house. I mean, if you were listening to Real Life Real Estate three years ago, you heard the lecture on that, that you don't you don't say I have a house for sale when you don't have a house for sale. You say I have a contract for sale. The business about you can't include pictures of the property is something that even the Ohio division has kind of hemmed and hawed about and that uh, at least one legal expert that we have had here on Real Life Real Estate has said is an abridgment of commercial free speech to say I am marketing a legal product, which is a contract on a house, but you are not allowing me to say legal things like here's what the house that I have the contract on looks like is 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 legally problematic so your your wholesaler friend here has maybe gone a little far in his translation of what he is and is not legally allowed to do or what he may be saying is I know what I'm legally allowed to do but what I'm going to do is what the division says I can do which is not necessarily the same thing. In other words, I don't want to. I don't want to attract any attention to my attention to myself. I'm going to recommend that you go to the podcasts at realliferealestate.com. Look for the name Maurice Thompson. Maurice Thompson. Listen to the two or three interviews that we've done here with Maurice over the last few years, and he will. You, you, this will all sound very familiar to you once you have heard what Maurice has to say. To my knowledge, there are no new restrictions coming down the pike in New Jersey or any other state. This 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 thing where states get all head up about wholesaling not being illegal mind you but potentially requiring a real estate license to do goes around and comes around and it's around right now and it's around right now because of the state of Ohio yay Ohio go Ohio Buckeyes number one and constantly I'm 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 getting questions about oh I heard wholesaling was illegal and nobody has said anything like that go back and listen to the Maurice Thompson interviews and um 
you know, as I said, your wholesale your wholesaler friend may really know what the case is and is just being super duper duper careful, or he may misunderstand what the case is or not be willing to um, stand up to uh, government uh, bureaucrats who want to interfere in a legal business by saying we're going to come get you if you don't do it the way we want you to do it. Uh, so um, I wouldn't get too terribly concerned about that for your own wholesaling business. So, uh, I mean, you can be as concerned as you want. Contact your local attorney, of course, to uh, make sure that what I'm saying about New Jersey is correct. Because I, you know, no, I have not heard of anything. But uh, here we are. Question from Gail in Massachusetts. Gail says... I found out recently that a property that I had been interested in uh, has gone to foreclosure now. The deed has been transferred to Fannie Mae. Is there some opportunity here where we could contact the Fannie Mae asset manager? Is there someone we can get to at Fannie Mae in order to get this house? Um, And the answer, Gail, is unfortunately no. Uh, The way that most large uh, lenders and also Fannie Mae work is yes, they have asset managers who are in charge of their REOs in various places uh, that um, uh, do things like the board ups and hiring the realtors and, and winterizing and all that sort of thing. But they can't really negotiate on behalf of Fannie Mae, nor will they will they talk to you. Uh, if you try and call Fannie Mae directly, they will say contact our agent. If you try and call the asset manager, they will say contact the agent eventually uh, this property will show up on uh, Fannie Mae's website and be available for you to bid. So um, no, there's unfortunately no magic that I can work for you that will get you straight in touch with Fannie Mae. Just check out homepath.com. That's Fannie Mae's website and eventually it will show up there. Wow, great question and answer week. Thank you, listeners. Such a wide variety of questions. Appreciate it a lot. And we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until next week, happy investing. Happy investing.